You're listening to Titan Nature's Yellowstone, a podcast for the don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Sponsored by Think Tank Photo. Think Tank Photo designs camera carrying solutions for working professionals. Welcome to another episode of Titan Nature's Yellowstone. I have Julianne Baker with me today. How are you doing today, Julianne? I'm well, thank you. That's great. And we're going to be discussing hiking in Yellowstone. Now, to start off, Julianne, can you offer a little background on yourself? Kind of introduce yourself to us. Okay. Julianne Baker. I was born and lived in Michigan for most of my life. And I first met the mountains when I was about 19 and fell in love with them. And, and I say at first it, it was an infatuation and then a love affair. And now it's a good marriage. So I'm married to the mountains. Um, and so I, I, like I say, I spent most of my life in Michigan. And I was a teacher back in Michigan. My master's is in outdoor environmental ed. I have always loved hiking and spending time outdoors. My first backpack was probably back in 1974, 73. So I've been hiking for many, many years and learned a lot along the way, made a lot of mistakes. Um, Was able to take early retirement from teaching and was able to move out here to Gardner, Montana and started my second my second job with the Yellowstone Association as a guide, as an instructor. Okay. And how long have you been in Gardner now? Been living in Gardner since about 2002. Okay. And what's that like? Is it, if I remember right, you've had times where you have like bison in the yard, right? Yes. Uh, we live just outside of town uh, in a place called just south of the Corwin Springs Bridge on old Yellowstone Trail south. It's a dirt road. The okay. old it's actually the old historic road that leads into into Yellowstone National Park. So we're about a mile north and we have bison in our yard when they come out. Uh yesterday I had probably 60 elk in the front yard. I've had coyotes come through a couple of times we saw a weasel in our yard, which is very exciting. That is exciting. Not easy to see those. And um, pronghorn, mule deer, white-tailed deer, yeah. A little bit everything of everything right there. there. Yes. That's yes. nice. Now, with hiking, you've been doing hiking for a long time. How about, you know, the, the other side that, you know, your art? I enjoy seeing your sketches and things, and I know that you do some art. How long have you been doing that? Well, thanks. Um, I took art classes back in college. Probably would have changed my major, except it was time to get out of college and go get a job. Okay. Um, so I've always enjoyed art, but I didn't do it for a long time. And then just picked it up in the past maybe five to 10 years. And I like doing nature journaling because it connects me to nature on a different level than hiking. Yeah. When I hike, I love to move and I love to look around and see things, but with nature journaling, I can sit and observe 
and I see things on a more minute scale sometimes. And if I'm sitting quietly long enough, who knows what's going to come strolling by. Um, It's another way to connect to the environment, to connect to Yellowstone. And also, it's another way for me to be outside as, as I age. Things change, so I might not be able to hike my 20-mile days. So maybe I'll hike a 5- or 10-mile day and take a journal with me and spend some time. So it's a completely different way of connecting, but it's also a way of maintaining mental health as well as physical health. Yeah. So it sounds like there's sometimes that you you do both of them together, hiking and you have the journal with you. Is that something that you always have the journal with you when you're hiking or is it on these shorter ones? I mean, when you go hiking, is it for hiking purpose and you do the hike and then? Yeah, for me, it's generally hiking for hiking purpose. Okay. And every once in a while, like if I'm backpacking, I'll take a small journal and I'll take paints. Um, But if I'm here day hiking, I generally day hike, especially if I'm with people. They're not going to want to sit and take the time while I draw. Um, And I'm not a fast sketcher, so I want to take my time. And so sometimes I'll go out by myself and not go too far, but take my journal and and do that. The other thing I like about nature journaling is it enables me to learn more about the natural world. But I also don't have to show anybody my pictures which gives me more courage, if you will, yeah. to experiment and to try new things. I understand. So how many, how many miles do you think, or how many, I guess, how many miles have you hiked in Yellowstone? Do you know, do you keep track of your hikes or how far you go? Or <laughs> Sometimes I keep track of my hikes, but it's, it's thousands of miles. Okay. Um, because the first few years I was in Yellowstone, I joined like the 500 mile club for the summer. And so I know I hiked 500 miles through those summers and then kept living here. And that now that I'm not guiding as much, I'm spending a lot more time out on the trails hiking. So, yeah. Now, by any chance, do you know how many miles of trail are in Yellowstone or how many trailheads or? There's over 900 miles of trails, close to a thousand. miles of trails in the park and that's anywhere from short trails around the geyser basins to longer trails that you can take so and i guess before we get too far something i was thinking about that i want to bring up is you know you and me met originally with the yellowstone association i was taking a class from you and as part of that class you taught leave no trace why don't you introduce Leave No Trace? Because I think that's an important part of hiking is when you're out, you know, how do you practice Leave No Trace? And, you know, you know, there's different principles. And what principles do you find that you have to use on a regular basis, I guess, while you're out hiking? And don't? Yeah. And as a guide, I would always stress Leave No Trace with the people I took. And I think as more people have gotten out into the wilderness, um, especially this past year with the pandemic, unable to travel, more people have gotten outside and there's been a change in the quality of the trails. 
because there are many people who don't know those principles of leave no trace. Yes. And, you know, and it's a kind of thing that you really have to spend some time uh, thinking about or at least become made aware of. So the principles I probably use most on day hikes would be um, hiking and camping, walking on durable surfaces. This time of year, especially um, when the trails are muddy, yeah. uh, you know, I find that adults especially have really followed their mother's rule of stay out of the mud. <laughs> right. you know? yes. Or we have new boots and we don't want to mess up our new boots. Or I think it's important to stay, especially if it's a busy trail, a popular trail, to walk on that mud. Sometimes though that mud may be, or the, the water may be, you know, up to your knees. So how do you deal with that? Sometimes what we need to do is make the effort to walk way out, maybe 20 feet, 30 feet out away from the trail around that wet area, and then come back to the trail. That's, walking, that's a great point. Walking right along the edge of the trail that creates what I call sociopaths or <laughs> psychopaths. Yes. Um, and, you know, psychopaths and sociopaths are those extra trails that are made. And it doesn't take much on a fragile mountain meadow to start that new path. It might take five, 10 people and that's it. And then you've got a new trail and then somebody else thinks they should walk on the trail. So definitely. Um, camping and hiking and walking on durable surfaces is an important one. Another one, because of course, living here where it's very dry, we need to be drinking water. We need to be eating on the trail and what goes in must come out. <laughs> so, yes. so I always get the fun of talking about how to pee and poop on the trail, leaving, leaving no trace. For peeing on the trail, you want to avoid peeing on those beautiful wildflowers because the salts of your urine will get on the wildflowers. Along comes an elk, they go for the salt and then they eat the wildflower. Well, a little bit of that's okay. Too much of that could really denude an area of those beautiful flowers. So sometimes peeing right in the middle of the trail uh, while everybody walk, walks down and looks at something else or um, Finding a rock, peeing on a rock, or peeing on bare ground, perhaps the duff that's underneath a tree, and finding a place, of course, that has some privacy. Yeah. So that with the peeing, with the pooping, it's a bit more involved. And a couple of things, you never leave the toilet paper on the trail or in the hole that you dig. You definitely always carry that out. And that's one thing that surprises people. They think a lot of times burying it or burning it is fine, but burying it, it's going to get dug up and going to be a nasty thing for people to see and to yep. experience and uh, leaving it on the trail, it's going to blow away and it's not safe. So basically walking 75, 75 full good steps at least away from the trail. Uh, or away from a water source, digging a hole, oh, anywhere from six to 12 inches deep 
and as wide as you want. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then of course, burying everything. And then I always tell folks to take an extra baggie. They can put the dirty toilet paper in that baggie and then discard that when they get back to the yeah. trailhead. I, I think that's great because, you know, I saw that a lot this last year as a lot more people were getting out. And there was trails where I saw a lot of toilet paper and saw a lot of things. And I've heard about that. And I think partially people don't know what to do. Right. You know, I think it's, you know, it's first time experience and they're not comfortable with it. So just having people know that, hey, this is life. And, you know, somebody else is going to walk by and nobody else wants to clean it up. Right. So yeah, those are some great points. Yeah. And the other one with that, you know, wildlife, I'm sure as you go hiking, you've come across the wildlife. I remember one hike that we did on that call the class that we were in, you know, we saw a black bear and a cub off the, off the trail over by mammoth. I mean, what do you do when you come across, you know, I, I think the two big ones I think about would be bison and bears mm -hmm. that people would come across in Yellowstone. Yeah. And yeah, because you just stopped, you turn around. And there it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you do? Um, well, first of all, in Yellowstone, um, never hike without bear spray. Um, you can rent bear spray in the park or buy bear spray. And a lot of people say it's expensive, but um, it's way less expensive than a hospital visit and less expensive than the bear's life. So, yep. so I highly recommend bear spray, but making noise. Um, I think it's better to hike in groups of three, four people. Uh, and then because you're talking or you're whistling or every so often you're shouting, yo, <laughs> yep. we try not to shout, hey, bear, because if there's a bunch of us in a group and I am shouting just, hey, bear, somebody might think I've actually seen that bear. And then what? So that's a great but sticking point. together as a group, um, keeping with bear spray. And if you see wildlife, you need to stay. 25 yards away from elk and even bison, but a hundred yards away from wolves and bears and things like that. And hundred yards is a football field. So think of it that way. What's a football field? But in reality, if you are close enough to an animal that it changes its behavior because of you, even if you're more than a hundred yards away, you're too close. So if you're causing that elk to lift its head, if you're causing it to move off, that can be, sometimes that can be hard because even if you back away, sometimes they're going to take off when they see you in the back country because you're an unknown quantity and they're like, who is this? What is this? I'm going to take off. But it's always better to try to be aware of your surroundings and allow the animals to have their space because those animals well, the elk, for instance, and the and the bison are using the summer months to gain as much weight and eat as much food as they can. And every time we cause them to move off their favorite food, we're causing them to lose some of those much needed calories that might make the difference between life and death for the winter. So, so. I agree. Yeah, that's what I try to tell people is, you know, is we I'm on tours with people. You know, the bison or the bear or whatever it is. Well, that's 500 yards or the wolves are a mile out. What can we get closer? Right. Well, if you get closer, you're changing the behavior. 
And that's something now yeah, we want to definitely prevent. And with wolves, I mean, and with other animals too, it's, there's a legality issue in the park as well. You can get, you could get a citation for that. Yeah. Um, as well as just not being safe for you. But imagine you're hiking along, you anger a bison and he runs off. Well, what about the next person who hikes along that trail? What if they meet up with that already angry bison? It could be bad news for them, even if they're following all the rules. So you never know what that animal has experienced before you got there, what somebody else is going to experience after you. So that's a really important leave no trace principle here in the park. Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, talking about the animals and different things that you can experience, I mean, would you say it's safe to hike in Yellowstone? I think that's something I hear a lot of people, you know, they want to hire a guide. They want to do something because it's like, well, is it safe to go out there? And you mentioned, group, you know, hiking groups in three and four. Are there safe trails? Is it safe to go hiking in Yellowstone? I could say yes, but with a caveat, because the bears and the bison and the elk and everybody else, they don't get our memos about which trails we want to hike. And so yes. there's always, always the chance that something could happen. And it may not even be wildlife related. You know, it could be tripping on a root and twisting an ankle. Um, that said, walking down the road in a town or a city, there are inherent dangers there too. But I think it's the dangers that we are most used to that we accept. And so um, if you're used to walking down the road in town or in a city, you don't think of those dangers of the cars or of other people or maybe a dog here in the park. You're not used to, or many people are not used to walking down a trail and maybe coming across something. So yeah, it is safe for me personally. I feel it's safer. I feel safer in Yellowstone than I would walking down the streets of New York City, for instance. Yes. But that's because I'm not used to it. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say staying aware of your surroundings and using that, knowing how to use bear spray. You know, many people think, oh, I carry bear spray, I put it in my pack. Well, no self-respecting bear is gonna wait for you to get the spray out of the pack. Use yes. me bear while I bend over. So, so you need to carry it handy, but you need to spend some time practicing with getting it out of the holster and figuring out how to take the safety off things like that. I would agree. And it's, I think sometimes people say, Hey, I'm just, just going to show up and I'm going to go hiking because I mean, there's not much to it. You just get on a trail and you start hiking. Okay. I remember when I went to Chicago for the first, well, the only time I've been to Chicago, I had no idea how to use the bus right. system and it was scary for me. Right. And so I had to learn or I had to ask questions to people. And I think that's the same thing that people got to experience when they come to Yellowstone on the trails is ask somebody, learn something, yes. pick up a book. Yes. And in it, I tell my kids as we're out hiking, um, if you're safe, you're smart, or excuse me, if you're smart, you're safe, yeah. you know? So if you're, if you're doing those things, you know, have the bear spray, you know what to expect for, you're making noise yeah. that it can be a safe experience. But I think what you said was a great example. I would not feel safe yeah. in New York when other people are you know, very accustomed to that. But just like, just like you not knowing how to use a bus system here. 
there are things to do before you go too. You know, in Chicago, you have to figure out the bus system ahead of time. Well, here you stop, you talk to the rangers, you find out what trails are, are usable for the time of year you're here. Um, because in the spring, some trails are better than others uh, as far as snow or mud would go. Some trails are safer than others as far as wildlife at different times. Um, and rangers can tell you, oh yeah, a bear was seen on such and such trail, so why don't you hike this one? Or if you're gonna hike that trail, make sure you take four people. The other thing I think it's important to do is look at a map. Uh, you should have a hiking map, a, a map of the actual trails in the park. You can buy those at the Yellowstone Forever bookstores. You can buy those um, in the stores around, like in Gardner and around the park. I uh, highly recommend those. And you should look at the, the length of the trail, the elevation gain, and think about what you feel like doing and what you want to do. Maybe it's a day when you know, you've been here for quite a while and you're feeling your oats and you want to do a longer trail, or you're going, yeah, I've been thinking about climbing Bunsen Peak. I think today's the day. But there are maybe other days where the clouds are coming in or you've just arrived and this is high elevation. So you're not used to the elevation. You're feeling kind of tired. So maybe you want to do a shorter, flatter hike. So you should pick up a book or get online, talk to a ranger. Um, there are a couple of really good apps that you could use on your phone. One of them is All Trails. All Trails has uh, many of the trails on it. If you are in service, you can download the trails and then you can you can follow those trails and hike the trails. Same with Gaia GPS. Yeah, I use I use both of those and they're nice because you know I like the All Trails because it'll tell you, you know, this is intermediate, this is experience. I mean, how far you're going to go, what you can expect. Right. And I was actually looking, and I think you record some of your trails on, is it all trails yeah. that you were using? Mm -hmm. And I think you can make notes so other people can go back and, you know, see you, follow mm -hmm. you, where you're going, yeah. you know, conditions as well. So there's some great resources out there yes. like that. There are. And, you know, I, I got right here the, um, I like this one, the Trails Illustrated yes. from Nat Geo. It's a good waterproof one. And I also have... Uh, Yellowstone Trail, so, you know, a hard copy type thing, which will do the same thing and give you the area by area in the park, what type of trail, how long it is. Yes. Earlier, you mentioned that you do, you know, you might go out and do 20 miles. Mm -hmm. So do you have favorites, short hikes, long hikes in the park? I do. Things that you do over? <laughs> it's what I might say my favorite trail is whichever one I'm on. <laughs> Okay. Yes. But no, I was, I was, I've been thinking about the trails because soon the interior will be open. And this summer, there are some wonderful interior trails to do. Um, for short trails, short and easy trails, I like Trout Lake. Uh, it's two, two and a half miles round trip. There is a climb involved. Uh, that's in the northern um, part of the park. So that would be open perhaps sooner than some of the trails in the interior of the park. Another one of my favorite short trails is Storm Point. Short and flat, it's in the interior. It takes you out to a beautiful view of Yellowstone Lake. And it takes you through a number of different ecosystems from sagebrush 
to forest, to the, to the shore. And it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous trail. Um, I can agree with you both on, on both yeah. of those. Are both great hikes. And those are great short trails. And of course, walking the, the thermal areas um, in the geyser basins are great too. One of my favorites is uh, West Thumb because it's again on the shore of the lake and it's beautiful. Yes. There's a nice five mile hike, which might be a little bit more intermediate um, called Beaver Ponds outside of Mammoth. Um, early in the season, there are often bears on that, on that trail as we experienced in that class. That is a really nice trail to take. It's uh, five miles and there's some climbing involved, but nothing, nothing too long or too strenuous short, steep hills, and then you're on the flats. And there are great views with that one. Um, I love Specimen Ridge. And that, that hike can go anywhere from maybe seven miles to you can do the whole thing, which is about 19 miles. But that hike requires some good map reading skills. And it requires fording at either the beginning or the end, the Ford of Lamar River. And so you need the skill of being able to ford and you need to do that late in the season when the water is low. I wouldn't begin to try that in June or even early July for those fords. Um, a nice, really long trail, it's a one-way trail, would be to get dropped off uh, out by Tower Falls, get on the trail, um, the Garnet Hill Loop Trail, hike that, and then continue on across uh, the Hell, cross the Yellowstone River on a bridge, cross the Hell, Hell Roaring Creek, either a ford or a bridge, depending on conditions, and then hike all the way out to Gardner. And that's a good 20 plus miles, depending on if you can ford or hike the, you know, cross the river on a bridge. So. Yeah, those are great. And, you know, I'm I'm familiar with most of those. The last one, the Garnet, I think Garnet Creek, right, is what you said. Gar there's the Garnet is, Hill Loop and you can go uh, from there to get on the Yellowstone River Trail, which takes okay. you through the Black Canyon of the Yellowstone. And, I haven't done that one. I've heard some good things about it, but the others I'm very familiar with. And one of the things when you mentioned those, for me, it's like, oh, I saw whether I saw this bird on the trail, we saw a bear on the trail, you know, take a pair of binoculars yes. and because there's, there's some great things to say, see. And I, I love it to be able to, even if it's Trout Lake, I mean, it's a small parking lot, it's a shorter hike, get up there and maybe just seeing the spawning fish or seeing the birds along the way, um, gets you away from people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it only takes a half mile off the road to get you away from some of the crowds and experience kind of the peace that Yellowstone does offer. Right. The other the other thing that's beautiful about Yellowstone is that much of the area has wide open views. So you and and in Yellowstone you do not have to stay on the trail per se. So I mean if you're walk if you're hiking in the thermal areas, yes, you need to stay on the trail. But if you're somewhere on Let's say the Northern Range, let's say you've hiked up to Trout Lake, but you see a hillside near Trout Lake that you'd like to climb and sit on, you can certainly do that. And you don't have to stay 
on the trail all the time. That said, we were just talking about leave no trace and leave no trace would involve, of course, hiking on durable surfaces. But if you are going to go off trail into an area where people don't usually hike, you watch where you're stepping, but you're the only person or the only few people going in there, you won't leave a trail behind. If you don't follow each other, you need to spread out when you're going off trail a little bit. Yeah. That's a great point. Is I've done that for myself a few times, you know, whether take a journal or, mm-hmm. you know, or sketching or writing or just back away from people and just observe for a while is nice. Yes, yes it is. Oh, when you go, I, I mentioned binoculars. Right? That's something I like to take with me. You know, when you go hiking, let's say you have a day pack, what would you find in it? You know, what kind of things do you take on a hike with you? Well, my rule is never go anywhere in Yellowstone without at least a good rain jacket and rain pants if you have them. And I have both. Um, as a guide, I have been caught in some serious downpours. And when that happens, the temperature drops. And I've had to abort trips with people who haven't been prepared and they've gotten really wet and cold and I've been concerned about hypothermia. And so we've had to had to go back. So you just never know. It can start totally beautiful. And at two in the afternoon, you can get that thunderstorm. So rain gear, um, water, definitely one or two liters of water or a bladder that you can sip water out of. Um, along with let's see, food for sure. You want snacks, you want food. Um, I take, I have a, um, a device for locating me if, if there's, you know, if there's a problem, some people might want like a Garmin in reach or a spot or something, depending on what you're going to do. That's just a brand new toy. I'm going to back you up Uh a little bit because you mentioned food. What do you take? Do you take a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Do you take Granola bars, I mean, are you packing a lunch with you? What what kind of things do you take, Ike? It kind of depends on the day and what I'm going to be doing. But I, I do love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, so I might take that. Um, I might take a really thick piece of salami and have that cut into pieces. I use that when the weather's cold because the extra calories and the fat of the salami are going to help me maintain my body warmth. Um, I might take some cookies, uh, take some fruit. Um, I might take some suck on candies so that when I'm hiking, I can keep my mouth moist and just get that little bit of sugar. I also might take um, some electrolytes to put in my in my water as well. So, yeah. Yeah, So I interrupted you. Was there anything else after, you know, GPS or anything else you like to take with you? Um, I always take an extra layer, uh, either an extra wind layer, although the rain gear usually works at that, but I'll take an extra fleece layer um, because like I said, the temperature can drop or you can get up on a ridge and you'll have, you can have a cold wind. So you definitely need layers. Uh, Rain, I said rain gear, but definitely sunscreen. And if I'm using hiking poles, 
I'll bring the poles, of course, and I might bring a pair of, of lightweight fingerless gloves so my hands don't get sunburned, a ball cap, as well as a warm hat. I can switch back and forth with those. Um, let me see what else. I usually well, you know, th- have a fix it. I have kind of a what if little bag. And in the what if bag, I'll have fire starter. I'll have matches. I'll have um, uh, some needle and thread in case something breaks on my pack, something like that. You know, something to add, I, I imagine you have with you as well as first aid kit. I do. Which is good, whether, you know, bandages, band-aids, just something simple. Yeah. But in, just in case, and also going with the, the layers, um, you know, thinking about Yellowstone and you start out in the morning and it's 35, 40 degrees. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're done hiking, it could be 80, yeah. depending on the time of year that you go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, layers is a big thing. And as you climb an elevation, you might, st- you know, start cool, warm up, get to the top and be cold again. And so layers, I think, is a is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I think we've covered some things. Oh, can oh, I, you can have I something say else? one more thing? Yeah. When yeah. you mentioned first aid kit, I really appreciate you reminding me of that. Um, if somebody is going to be spending a fair amount of time, they've decided they love hiking or they love backpacking, they love going into the backcountry, I think one of the best things they could do for themselves and their partners is to take a first aid course, either wilderness first aid, or if you really want to get into it, Wilderness First Responder, which is a nine-day course, um, to get the skills so that you feel confident, um, so that you can handle anything that might happen in the backcountry. I I agree. That's great. So I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I want to ask, is, as far as you're hiking in Yellowstone, if you could say one experience that's kind of been your favorite, that you've had out there is one that is there a memorable experience for you? Oh, there are a few, but the one that, that I think is the best is I was hiking by myself in Hayden Valley and I was scouting for a summer field seminar. And so I was following the trail and there was an area where, um, you had to ford this creek twice or you could go around. So I kind of went around and I got back onto the trail and, and I knelt down and I had my map on the ground and I was lining it up um, with Mount Washburn and looking around and I felt like I was something was, I felt like I was being watched. And I looked up and there, less than 100 yards away, was a white wolf which we now know was like the white queen anyway. And she was walking by me looking and I was like, wow, as soon as she sees me, she's going to run. And so I quick grabbed my camera, still kneeling down. And by the time I looked back up, she was a good wolf. She knew the rules. She was about a hundred yards away. And I quick (laughs) took a picture and then, you know, I stood up totally expecting her to run away. But she didn't. In fact, she came back towards me a little bit and was kind of going back and forth. And I'm like, I don't understand. And then she started to yip and howl. And these were early days for me in the park. Early days. I hadn't heard a lot of wolves. I I didn't know, you know, all of all of their vocalizations and what it meant. And so I stood up, I put my pack on, and I started to walk 
to the left because she was moving to the right. And I thought, okay, I'll go around her. Well, she started to come back. And I realized that something else was going on. So I'm like, what's she doing? Is she calling all her buddies? And finally, I just decided, you know, I'm not going to finish this hike. And she followed me and bark howled as I left and I walked towards the stream. And I am out in sagebrush and I'm thinking, okay, I got to make myself look big. So I'm looking around, I grab a piece of, you know, dead sagebrush and I've got my bear spray out and I'm waving the sagebrush and I'm yelling, no, no, bad wolf, no. (laughs) And I keep walking and I come to the stream and I think, what does an elk do when it's being threatened by wolves? It runs in the water. So boots and everything, I just go into the stream. I cross the stream and she stops at the stream and she still is looking at me and bark howling a little bit, but as if to say, thank you, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, go away. You're not going to be here. So I left and I went back out and I immediately called the rangers. And what had happened that I didn't know about was that she had moved her pups into the area where I was hiking. And this was in the summer. And so she had the pups, the pups were still there. So her pack with the pups were in the area that I was trying to go through. So, yeah. you know, she was just being a good mom and telling me, excuse me, excuse me, please leave. <laughs> so. Yep. And those are the great experiences that, you know, especially, you know, I think I've had that where it's their first time with something. You're like, what's going on? You can, you learn from it as well. I mean, that's a, and next time you hear that, that same sound, it's like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. They're upset about it. You know, whether that's, mm-hmm. yeah, whether that's with the bison with its tail up or the wolves, you know, or any animal, yeah. you know, it's taking experiences like that and learning from yeah. it. That's, yeah. that's really neat. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And do a little recap here. So talked about leave, leave no trace. Uh, make sure we know where we're going, what we're walking on, durable surfaces. Mm-hmm. Um, hiking in the park can be safe. You know, you should learn beforehand, you know, prepare yourself. There's great hikes, whether it's, you know, a short hike that you're looking at or even the boardwalks to great long hikes in the park. Uh, opportunities to see wildlife along the way. And so I appreciate you being here and uh, joining me today, Julianne. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that everybody gets out to experience the beauty that is Yellowstone. Thanks for listening to Tied to Nature's Yellowstone, the podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Keep up to date with Tied to Nature and Think Tank Photo on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.